So we've been talking about love. And one of the things that happens when you lay down a challenge is that you have the opportunity to express it. You have the opportunity to live it out. Love being on the brain on this month and speaking on it the last, the last few weeks, it, it's given you an opportunity for us to really focus on those things, to think through what love is, what it means, how to live it out. And it's a challenge sometimes. You know, it's like the video. It's like, you know, it's, sometimes we do really well, sometimes we do poorly. This is an area we need to continue to grow, continue to be more like Christ. Love is God's shining attribute. And we need to be like that. To look at 1 Corinthians 13 again, to look at this list, again, it says this, that love is, say that first word with me, patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then when it carries on, it says love never fails or love endures. I don't know if you've done this, but I would still encourage you to do it. Print it out. Print out 1 Corinthians 13 and just have it in front of you. And meditate. Think through these things. Every one of these aspects on this list as it's described, think through them and ask the Lord to build that up within you. Now, patience is the first aspect of what it says that love is. And I think that that's interesting that it's there first. I think it's no accident that patience is the first thing that's on the list of what love is. It's probably one of the most difficult aspects. And I think that so much of what love is oftentimes flows from that foundation, if you will, of patience. Patience has a lot of different aspects to it. But patience is probably one of the most difficult things and I believe it's a starting point in many ways for the things that God has called us to do, the way that he's called us to live. Think about how many opportunities that you have to exhibit this particular aspect of love. It shows up so many times in life. One of the things that I was just thinking of some just simple examples, and there are much bigger things in my life that I've, that I've faced. But just in, in some of the little things, one of the things that I've really tried hard to do is to make the perfect fried egg for Diane. She has this perfect egg that she can just seem, seemingly do without any effort. And whenever I try to do it, it seems like every once in a while I'll get it right, but then other times I just sticks to the pan, it's overcooked, and I have issues. Remember the other day, I just got frustrated with it. I tried to hide my impatience, and I just threw the eggs into the sink. I'm done. Stupid eggs. We have a lady that, that is a coworker of mine, and one of the things that patience is exhibited with me is that you ever met someone that just kind of talks, and they keep talking, and they talk some more? They talk some more, and you're like, you try to give the nonverbal cues. You're trying to, like, slowly creep towards your office, which for me is just very close by. But it, the conversation goes on, and so, and so, and so. And you're at the moment where you're just kind of screaming on the inside. Ever been there? 
okay? That's a moment for me, dealing with, with patience in that way. And of course, you know, I had to bring up the traffic stuff, right? The traffic is always an illustration for me. Being on the road, being on the interstate, just the other day, Interstate 26, trying to, to go to be with the guys for Bible and Brew, that's a parking lot, right? And you're thinking, okay, well, I left this time in plenty of time. So I was going to just try to chill out. But then the more I sat there, the more frustrated and the more impatient I became, especially when you get up to the point and you realize that there was never, ever any accident in front of us. Instead, on the opposite side of the road, there was an accident that probably had occurred like an hour ago, and they were cleaning up from it, but everyone has to stop to do this. Oh, okay, I'll go now. And that very simple act of the whole rubberneck syndrome slows everything down so that the entire bit of traffic on 26 all three or four lanes or whatever it is, is just at a standstill. It drives me nuts. But why is patience first on the list? Why is it so important? Why is it so important to God? Why is this something that we need to focus on? And how can we hurry up and get some? Okay, one of you laughed. We need it. We need need patience, big time. God tells us we're going to need it, first of all, if we're going to grow. Okay? It's essential for us to grow. You never notice that things do not grow quickly, do they? You ever planted anything? It's not one of those kind of things you go out, and it's just like the watch pot never boils kind of thing, and there all of a sudden is this tree that just grows up in a matter of minutes. It doesn't happen that way. Things do not grow quickly. Patience is something that has to be exhibited if something's going to grow. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the status of our heart. And we talked about the sower. And I don't know if you remember this verse in particular that talked about people with soft and fertile hearts. And in Luke eight fifteen, as a reminder, when Jesus is explaining this, he's talking about the seed that fell on good soil. And at this point, he says, And the seed that fell on good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart, who hear the word, they retain it. And it says, And by persevering, produce a crop. Persevering the undertones of that word when you look at the original language is patience. That patience in persevering, it says, then they produced a crop. You ever looked at your life and been frustrated by, man, I really wish that I w- this, these attributes of love, patience, kindness, goodness, gen- or the fruits of the Spirit, all these kind of things, wish they'd be exhibited in my life. I wish I would just hurry up and be the kind of person I'm supposed to be. Are you beating yourself up because this particular aspect is not in your life? We need that kind of patience to produce a crop, to be the kind of people that God has called us to be. And without that patience, we will have a difficult time becoming what God wants us to be. Because the changes that God makes in our life don't usually come all at once. It's often a, a lifetime of, of small, small and gradual changes of God continuing to work in the heart. A lot of it has to do with our willingness to let him chip away and to work within us, but it takes patience for us to become the people that he has called us to be, to exhibit this kind of fruit. In Galatians, it talks about what the fruit of the Spirit is. These are the things that will be showing up in our life, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. There's that word again. Say it. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions 
and desires. It comes a point where this fruit is exhibited, where we're, we're living for the Lord, and everything else has been crucified. It's been knocked off. It's those are the weeds, essentially, that have been pulled out that don't belong in our life. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Walking in step with the Spirit. I want, to, I want you to think about this. I, you know, have you ever walked with someone down the street? My boss in particular, Wayne, is super fast. He's an old dude, but he just moves. He's like, like a natural fast walker. And so I'm always trying to like keep up with him constantly. That's how it is when we're going down Main Street somewhere to go to... I'll, I'm following him around doing Facebook Live stuff. I'm always trying to struggle to kind of keep up. Because I don't know, there's something about walking step by step, right? Because it's hard to have a conversation talking if the person's in front of you or behind you. Walking in step with the Spirit means keeping up with the Spirit's direction, with His leading. Walking side by side with what God has to say and listening to Him, following Him. We need to be walking by the Spirit. Those are the kind of things that we need to produce patience in our life. We have to stay connected with the Spirit. So growth in patience, though, it can be slow. It's a major challenge, and it's not just dropped into our life because we've prayed for it. Don't you wish that would be the case? You know, Lord, make me patient, please. Boop. Okay, let me reprogram you real quick, and then you're good. And then the world will be happy. Like, that Brad is a real patient dude. You know? doesn't happen that way. Growth doesn't happen that way. It's kind of like when you cut that tree down, you see those slow rings over time that show kind of that constant growth. And the Lord is beginning to move and to change us, but we need to continually present ourselves to him and be patient for that growth. So in James 1, 1, 2 through 5, I want you to consider this verse. The ladies and the guys who've been in some of those groups, it's not been too long since you've seen this. But it says, to consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, this is still a difficult verse to hear, no matter how many times you read it. How do you be happy in things like that? Consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Again, that perseverance word has its root in the word patience. It produces that kind of patience, that perseverance, that, that steadfastness. Another word for patience is often long, it's the word long-suffering, right? And that long-suffering is that aspect of me continuing to listen to someone speak and nodding my head over and over, over and over, sitting in traffic, you know, going, okay, okay. We're going to get there eventually. These little creeps along the way. That long suffering, that patience. But it says that those trials, those difficult times that you face produce that kind of thing. It doesn't happen immediately. It happens through those trials. And we don't look forward to those things. But after the trials, we realize, you know what, I've grown a little bit. I've been able to have a little bit more patience with this person, with this situation. I've been able to exhibit more love because patience is an aspect of, of that love. But it says this, let perseverance finish its work. Let that patient endurance finish its work so that you may be what? Mature and complete. That aspect of growth we were talking about, not lacking anything. Let that happen. Let that process happen. 
over and over after every trial and every tribulation that you may have that patience, that perseverance, and that you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, what's interesting, when you read through Scripture, sometimes it seems like there's some bits of Scripture that just kind of stick out. They don't seem to kind of fit into the flow. The guys and I were noticing that as we were reading some of James last week. Like, why is this particular verse here? It really causes you to stop and to think, because this next verse, after it says all, it all of a sudden it says, if any of you lacks wisdom. What are we talking about wisdom for? talking about trials and perseverance and being mature and complete. And then this verse is thrown in. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. There are times where we need wisdom from God to, to understand what exactly he's doing, how exactly he's teaching us patience in this situation why is it happening this way why am i going through this what aspect of me are you building and you're growing within me the lord says ask me for wisdom ask me for understanding i'll give it to you it's a pretty awesome promise in the book of james so it's great that god will produce this maturity through in in us in these times of trial and these tribulations but romans 5 is another example of this in verse 3 it says Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces, again, that perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Probably one of the best examples of this with dealing how suffering produces things, how it produces, in this case, perseverance and that patience, is the simple aspect of working out. Diane has been a workout nut and junkie over the last month. She has gotten big time into it, got the whole Fitbit, extra exercise clothes. She's working out like two to three times a day at work, before work, dragging me up at 6 o'clock in the morning to do things, you know, when I would rather be sleeping. I know I see the the head shaking. You're like, no, no. And for me, I kind of like to just to jog and do some basic workout stuff. She's doing this stuff called Tabata, which to me is the epitome of the word suffering. Because <laughs> it's like it tells your body to do this, and then, no, let's switch it around, let's do this. Let's go from swimming to mountain climbing to this. To, you know, it's just it mixes your body up like some big blender. Your body does not know what's going on, and I feel like I get dizzy and sick to my stomach. But they say when you do that to your body, your body responds, it burns calories, you lose weight, all that kind of stuff. But to me, it is suffering. But that suffering in this case produces that perseverance. It produces a result. Those trials that you don't like to go through produce something. The only way that patience will be produced in your life is if you go through trials, if you go through suffering, is if you have moment after moment of sitting in traffic, moment after moment of listening to someone talk and drone on and on and on, and you're trying to be loving and try to stay into the conversation. You know, if you're, you're dealing with all of those things, it produces patience. Moment by moment, year by year, it grows within you. We have to go through the long process of growth, of suffering that produces that perseverance 
And it says that perseverance produces character. It's a pretty big word, isn't it? Patience isn't just a moment of patience. It becomes a part of who you are. It becomes a part of your character. When they think of Diane, they think this is a fit and beautiful woman because she has gone through the suffering of Tabata. Numerous and numerous times she has been there. We have patience in our life from facing moment after moment and trusting God to make those changes and chipping away in our life. So there's some some main areas I want you to think about this where we need patience. First of all, obviously, we need patience, I think, with dealing with other people. Those moments that I mentioned in traffic, the you know, the other employees you work with, whatever the situation that you face, we can name many of them, but we need patience in dealing with others. I want to point out some verses that Scripture mentions in Ephesians, a great example. And Paul is speaking here. He's talking. He's been in prison, and he's writing this. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And that's really why we're talking about love for the last four weeks now. It's about living a life worthy of the calling that we have received. Living a life worthy of the title Christian. Christian means little Christs, is literally what that means. As we walk around as an example to the rest of the world of what Jesus is and what he stands for and what his church stands for, live a life worthy of that calling, a life worthy of that title. Davey and I were talking about that last night. I mean, his generation in particular, the people that he, his friends and the the folks that he works with, they look so often at the church and Christians and don't see a great representation. And maybe they've seen some good stuff, but there's one thing or a couple of things that have happened in the past that have colored everything, and they're just negative. You ever had one moment, one thing that's happened to you, and you're just like, you know, had a bad experience at a Hardee's, right? This biscuit came one time, and I got sick the next day, never going back. Well, what it was probably was some new employee that undercooked something, didn't know what he was doing, got fired the next day, but all the rest of the employees were great. And you could have gone back and had a great experience, had some good food, but because of that one moment, hey, I'm not going back there ever again. And other people can say, well, I love Hardee's. Hardee's is great, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but uh, no. No matter how many other good experiences, that one thing. So are we going to live a life worthy of our calling? So he says, I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Love the way that, that the Bible says. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Completely humble and gentle. Gosh, those two words for me would just totally calm me right now. Humble and not about you, and then gentle. It's, it's tiptoeing, right? It's softness. Humility and gentleness. Think of, of those two characteristics in your life, how much trouble you'd stay out of. In traffic, I want to go crazy, right? You cut me off, you do this. Humility, it's not about me. I'm not the only one who needs to get to work. And gentleness. Gentleness and ah, don't go together, do they? You know? relationships. You want to you get irritated about something, you know, this thing happens, humility, all right, all right, 
Stop looking at yourself, look at the other perspective, and then gentleness. Gentleness just kind of speaks, it's just a picture of love. It's just that soft, tender touch, isn't it? In complete, hum, hum, <laughs> be completely humble and gentle. Here's that word again. And be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The way we live oftentimes just runs completely against the grain of that. But that's what he says. We need that patience in dealing with others. In Proverbs 15, 18, Proverbs, when you read Proverbs, just gives you a little nugget that just, boom, says it all. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife. But he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Just kind of pours water on the coals, so to speak. We got another verse in Proverbs. Proverbs sixteen thirty two. It says this that whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Isn't that? If you're like me, I got to rewind it and read it again. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. We can see all these people that take a city and the strength to tear down kingdoms and all these things, but the person who is the strongest is he who rules his spirit. The one that doesn't allow it to go, you know? The one who acts and lives in humility and gentleness and patience and exhibits the characteristics of love that we read. This is a really great verse in Proverbs, again, 25, 15. It says, with patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. The power of that gentleness, the power of that patience. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. We think we're going to make all the influence in the world by getting angry and ticked off and say, this is how things should be, and this is how we're going to have our way, you know, kind of the situation of there's two opportunities when, when we use Hardee's as an example earlier. This biscuit was wrong. You know, you can come in and you can yell and scream, or you can say, hey, I've got an issue here. Which is going to take you further? More importantly, which is going to to honor God. So we need patience in dealing with others. We really need people to have, if we're honest, we're kind of flipping this, the perspective around, for people to have patience with us. Aren't you grateful when people have patience with you? We need to look at that perspective this morning because, see, patience allows us to get up again, if you will, after a mistake. If you've ever been learning a new job or something new, you really pray for that patience from your employer who's training you, right? Ah, oh, I messed it up again. Did this again. Patience with your, your parents as a kid. You can probably think of moments where you're trying to learn something and maybe instead of that gentleness and that humility, you got barked at by your parents. You ever, ever been there, done that? I've done it, unfortunately. But we need people to have patience with us. Patience allows us to get up after a mistake. And never forget, in particular, working 
talking about that example of fast food, working at Five Guys, I was a manager at Five Guys, and I was at the one in Forest Drive. And of course, Five Guys, you think of great hamburgers, fresh meat, and fry, fries, and all that kind of good stuff. And for some reason, we, um, we had gotten meat, and I still don't quite understand this, I haven't Googled it as of yet, that had a high pH level. And apparently with a high pH level, you can make your hamburgers, flip those burgers, you can put in there and, and put the temperature in where you know they're cooked well done. We never served anything that wasn't well done at Five Guys, okay, for several reasons. And you could, you could make sure, you could leave it on there until you thought it was beef jerky, but because of the high pH level, you could take a spatula, cut that burger in half, hold it up, and it would still look like it was pink in the middle. I don't know why in the world they, they should have figured something out, but we had that meat, and we had been trained in all the, all the, the pH issues and explaining this stuff to the customers. And most customers, if they asked about it, were like, eh, okay, great. And so, but it was a crummy position to be in as a manager. But all of a sudden, <laughs> there one day, and this, this father has come in with a couple of his kids, orders some burgers and the fries and all that kind of stuff, and... You know, I'm just monitoring things. And all of a sudden, he just comes in, rips open this burger, and just throws it down the counter and says, look at this. Look at this. You see this pink? Would you serve this to your child and just cussed me out? I'm just kind of like, you know, you ever have those moments you don't even have an opportunity to respond. There was absolutely no patience there at all. We need patience exhibited towards us to even give us the opportunity. It provides the needed time as well for growth, doesn't it? The opportunity to get up again, the opportunity to keep growing if you've made a mistake. I remember um, when I worked for Starbucks as well. When you get trained for Starbucks, you make drink after drink after drink after drink. What happens to all those drinks? And a lot of them just get dumped down the sink. You know, you didn't do the milk right. You had too much chocolate, too much this, and you know, and did all this kind of stuff. We were allowed purposely to make mistakes and to learn and feel comfortable growing in that process. We did that actually when we started our cafe here. Some of you, if you, if you were there, um, I think Scott, were you there, Scott? Yeah. We made drink after drink, getting the recipe right. And I think I never thought that caffeine would have affected me so much. I think I didn't sleep for a full day after drinking everybody's coffee. We need people to have patience with us. But quite honestly, we need God's patience more than anything at all. God's patience with us. God's patience and God's grace. Those two things kind of go neck and neck. And of course, God is the greatest example of patience that there will ever be. In Exodus 34, 6, a great verse, it says, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. First Timothy 1.16, a great verse, it says, But for that very reason, I was shown mercy. This is Paul speaking. Paul, who was a guy who had actually hunted down and killed Christians before he came to know the Lord, says, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul says, I was a great example of God's patience. If he can be patient with me, he can certainly be.
be patient with you. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says this, that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. And now, Lord, I pray and I pray, why don't you move? Why don't you do something? Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, we have that moment sometimes, like, Lord, when are you going to come back? We're waiting. We're waiting for your return. And God continues to show patience and patience and patience and patience, giving every opportunity for those that don't know him to follow. You see that in the Old Testament as well, before he judged countries and nations. It says that the full aspect of sin hadn't been filled up yet. He was continuing to give more and more time. There's a great example with Abraham talking about Sodom and Gomorrah before God brought judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And he kept going back to the Lord and said, Lord, if there's you know, 15 people there, you won't destroy it, right? God's like, okay, you know, if there's 15. He keeps coming, how about 10? How about 8? You know, how about, how about, he just keeps asking him, you know, how about 5? And, and you would think, you know, that God would be just like, come on, dude. And he continues to show that grace to Abraham and to say, yes, even for, for those few people, I will not destroy it. There was even less than that. But God brought them out, those folks out safely. God's patience is a huge display of his grace. I want to end real quick by looking at Jonah. God shows his patience. We see great stories in the Old Testament continually, but Jonah is always kind of one of the biggest ones that, that sticks out for me. Because Jonah was this guy that was supposed to be preaching and telling people about God. God says, go and tell Nineveh. Jonah goes the opposite way. God has what I would concede a sense of humor where he has a, a large fish swallow him to get his attention. Swallows him, spits him up on, on the shore. Because Jonah, moments ago, you read this prayer before he gets spit out of saying, Lord, I realize I did wrong. Kind of repenting in the middle of the fish, you know, after, after all this. And as soon as he gets on land, you know, he goes and does um, what he said he was going to Finally goes and talks to Nineveh. And they repent. They get things right, if you know the story. And so God relents, and he shows grace, and he doesn't bring any harm to Nineveh. And so what is Jonah's attitude? Jonah, Jonah gets ticked off. Oh, I knew you were going to be gracious. I knew you were going to be patient. You know, why would you waste my time in coming all the way down here, you know, when you were just going to show grace to these people anyway? So Jonah's attitude is just up and down, up and down. And you're thinking if you were God, you'd probably just take your thumb and just squash him right then. Like, seriously? But God took the time to really gather his attention several times. He shows the patience to, you know, he, he could have just judged Jonah, swallow him, spit him up, let him spend some time to fish, spit him out. After, after this, he continues, you see his, how he interacts with Jonah. It says, but to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry, and he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing 
to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. And he says, now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than live. That's the drama queen that Jonah is, the ridiculousness, you know, and God has to exhibit great patience to say, you know, I spared your life, I've spared these other folks' life, and you're mad at me because I'm gracious. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Kind of get this attitude of Jonah kind of moping, you know. It says, then the Lord provided, here's his grace again, a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. He's up and he's down. He's up and he's down, okay? But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm. Like that, provided is such a positive word, right? Which chewed the plant so that it withered. I'm going to give you another opportunity, Jonah, to get your attitude right. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die again and said, it would be better for me to die than live because he lost the shade over his head. You ever met people like this, and you just quite honestly, if there's anyone you're losing patience with that doesn't get it, you just want to slap them upside the head, this would have been one of those guys. And, 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 and God says to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Just You can hear this gentle questioning of God. And Jonah's like, it is. He said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. You just kind of picture this, you know, five-year-old stomping his feet. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. And it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people, who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. And that's the end of the book of Jonah. I always just thought, man, you know, where's the conclusion? There's, it just, it's this, and I've said this before, it's just God kind of dropping the mic moment. He says, Jonah, you've just been concerned about yourself. It's all you care about is yourself. Why shouldn't I care about this great city of Nineveh. When it boils down to what we've been learning about love, it's the same kind of question. Are we, are we more concerned about ourselves, or are we concerned about the great city of Columbia? Are we concerned about ourselves, or are we concerned about our family? Are we concerned about ourselves, or are we concerned about... You can fill in the blanks so many different ways. And patience is a huge aspect of what it means to show the love of Christ. We need to continually come before the Lord and ask Him to build patience within us, to build 
all those characters of love within us that we've been talking about to represent Christ well. And in the middle of doing that, what's so great about that, when you find that place, when you're in that moment where your heart is soft, where you're humble and you're gentle and you're patient, you find the peace of Christ. You find the joy that God gives when we truly exhibit the love that he gives us in the midst of every situation. You know, it's funny, this morning, I hadn't brought this up to Diane and Davey, but we got together, as we always do this morning, to practice music. And we just, I was just off the rails in different places, and I was just kind of getting to the point, man, I just can't pull this together. And I was getting to the point where I was getting irritated, and I just remember, you know, it's just always how it happens. Teaching on patience this morning. And here, here it is. Here's that opportunity to just go, ah, or, you know, Lord, I want to be patient. I want to be gentle. I want to be humble. And it's amazing how we really have to remind ourselves to let things go. Remind ourselves of what's really important. I want to do it right, but it's it's more important than that. It's about worshiping the Lord. It's about we're coming together as his people and lifting him up. It's not about me not about us getting the timing right. All that stuff's great. It's all about him. You can never lose the perspective. Jonah, do you care about yourself or you care about the great city of Nineveh? You stand and pray with me. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for the several the many examples you give us of your patience. And you keep challenging us and telling us that this is what love is. And this is how we're to be. And Lord, we know that it doesn't happen overnight, but Lord, I pray that we're progressing, that we're growing. Lord, that we're listening to you. Lord, in the example of Jonah, Jonah was just so blind to it. We've been there many times. But Lord, I pray you open up our eyes to see, to hear from you. To, be, to act in humility and gentleness and patience, to listen and to respond and to keep our eyes on you and not on ourselves. Lord, help us to love, help us to live a life, as your word says, worthy of the calling that we have received from you. We represent you, Lord, help us to, to represent you well, to live a life of love and peace. Lord, we thank you for this morning and for the awesome and great God you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray.